there's a really um, sophisticated and counterintuitive approach to um, journaling for people who are really feeling stuck and kind of in the negative mindset, which is it's called fears and resentments. And it's counterintuitive because people like me will always say, you always picture the positive and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if you have that negative energy, it has to move, right? You got to get it out. Just pretending it isn't there by being positive won't help. It's not going to help it. What you do is you actually journal in the morning and all you say is, I fear and whatever you fear. And I resent, and there's a magic that you say, I resent whatever it is because Mm -hmm. I fear. Mm -hmm. Because all resentments are rooted in some kind of fear. I've spent the last two years learning from industry experts and successful business owners, going behind the scenes to discover what makes these entrepreneurs successful. Follow along with season eight of Unleash Your Focus podcast, where I dive in deeper than ever before, unlocking trade secrets, discovering what makes these entrepreneurs successful, but also really understanding their habits, frameworks, blueprints, secrets, and so much more. I also ask one important question, and that is how they have grown and scaled their business to a million or more. I'm excited that you are here, and I can't wait for you to apply these strategies so you can become successful too. Welcome to Unleash Your Focus podcast, the number one place that will help you to start, grow, and scale your online business today. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm interviewing Warren. Warren is a business coach, and he lives in Canada. So he coaches entrepreneurs that wants to build an ethical business. And he's been doing this since 2002. Is that right, Warren? That's, that's right. That is so impressive. I like, it's quite, it's like 20 years just about. That's really, really cool. Hi, Warren. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast episode. Can you tell people a little bit about you? Where did you grow up? And you know, how did you get sure. into this, this coaching business? <laughs> how did I get it? So it's always good. It's a weird circuitous route. So I grew up in uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Western Canada and now I live in Toronto. Um, I've got a weird eclectic background. I'm a recovering lawyer, I practiced on the Canadian equivalent of Wall Street for a number of years. I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've been a college professor as well as a theater uh, actor and director. Uh, so I've sort of been in a lot of different places. I started coaching back in 2002. But all that sort of came. It's weird. You know, you asked me, how did I get there? I, I, at birth, I was supposed to die. I was the second person in history to live through a congenital defect. They gave my parents zero chance of survival. It was experimental surgery, and I survived. And when I, I didn't find out about that until later, but when I did, it really spurred in me this kind of desire to make this unexpected gift mean something. And so all those things I did were sort of trying to find what that thing was. Yeah. And it was entrepreneurship that I landed on that really did it. And I, I believe deeply that entrepreneurship is one of the most powerful forces for positive social change. Yeah. And so when I became an entrepreneur, I loved it. And then yeah. when I moved into business coaching, it was like, I can help a whole lot of other entrepreneurs do it. And because yeah. I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a line in the play Rent that says the opposite of war is not peace. It is creation. That's and really you know, nice entrepreneurs voice. create. And so they create jobs, they create wealth, they create opportunities, they create solutions. And the problem is though, that if you don't have the skills to do it, that potential to impact the world is restricted. And so I really believe that by helping people develop the business skills they need, they're going to be able to wind up having that positive impact on the world. So that's my whole sort of raison d'etre. <laughs> that is so incredibly true, because I remember when I started out three years ago, that was my problem. You know, it's like having the right skills. You might have a great idea, 
but you don't always know how to execute it and how to get through to the result. And that's really awesome. So, I mean, your introduction is very unique as in ethical entrepreneurs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How does, how did that come to form? Well, it's, I try to help ethical entrepreneurs build what I call a business that matters. And it's, yes. it's really, it's not so much being, you know, moralizing as much as being values driven, right? Mm-hmm. Like having a, having a business that you care about because mm-hmm. it's going to have some kind of impact and you want to, you want to run it in a way that aligns with your own values. Because what mm-hmm. I've seen, it's, it's fascinating. I've coached businesses from startup to hundred million in revenue and the people who run their business according to their values are always happier. Yes. than those who feel morally compromised. And then the thing that's interesting is ultimately, sometimes the people who, you know, shade around the edges, they make money for a while, but the people who really stay true to themselves and their own core values, mm-hmm. they're ultimately more successful in business. They attract mm-hmm. better people, they attract better team members, they attract mm-hmm. better clients, you know, and it's just it's just a more fun way to run a business, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it, I want to help make the world a better place. I think the more that here and here's the other sort of philosophical thing behind it, I guess. Yeah. I think there's sort of a in New Zealand is different. You've got some you've got some decent leadership there. But in a lot of places in the world, there's sort of a moral vacuum in leadership. So people don't know who to look to for guidance. And so people tend to look to the leaders they're close to, which are those in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so if entrepreneurs can kind of embrace this sort of values-driven approach to leadership, then they they not only model, but they give permission to other people to say, no, I'm not going to compromise my values just because it's expedient. Yes. You know, and then it, I think there's sort of a viral effect from that. Yeah. That's actually a very unique way to, to look at it. And it's true. I never actually thought of it until you mentioned it, but it is true because if you, because for me personally, if you say ethical, it's like, you know, you respect the people that you work with and you are honest and you're truthful. And because you're never going to get a successful business if you don't have, if you don't actually, and you're authentic with what you do, you don't go and steal other people's ideas and all of those crazy things. And that's, right. it's sad because there's so many businesses these days that does that, especially because of when a digital age, it's so easy to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or is this just something that kind of bit you along the way? It bit me along the way. No, my 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 dad worked for one oil company from the time he was 18 until he retired. Wow. He could not understand why his son went to law school for three years and then university under that for another three and practice for six years and would leave wow. it to go and start a business. Like he thought I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's dedication so long at one oil company. Wow. So yeah. when do you know as a child that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Like, did you feel that? I, I don't know. I, I, I remember I did junior achievement when okay. I was in high school, you know, and so I, I had a bit of an inclination, but I always, yeah. you know, I had this sort of artistic bent and then I was a bit of an academic too, because that's what, you know, I like law. So I didn't yeah. know for sure. Um, but it was after I experimented with things, I kept getting drawn to it. Like even when I was law, I was coming up with business ideas and it was always in my head. Yeah. You just knew it was, it just, it just felt right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about your process that you would use. I say so a small business come to you because a lot of the people that listen to this have either starting a business or they have a small business, right? And yep. yeah, sure there's big businesses listening to the podcast too, because I like the interviews, but um, it's really small businesses that, that really find a lot of value from these podcast episodes. So say a small business come to you and they are stuck. 
with their mm -hmm. next phase. What is the piece of advice that you would give them to get to that next level in their business? Because the season is about growing and scaling your business, right? So we want to really right. go into that detail. So I wouldn't give advice right away would be the first thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, so here's just a little, in the early days of my coaching practice, I did what most coaches do, which is kind of, you know, just take the client where they are and try to address mm -hmm. the issues that they're dealing with. And I kept seeing that, that, that that's very fits and starts. Um, and what I observed from, you know, startups to the $100 million businesses, nobody did strategy very well. Like nobody was really thinking through how to build and execute strategies. And so that's my starting point is to say, let's, let's actually build a strategy. And when I, when I started really focusing on that, mm -hmm. it, it had major impacts. But then it was really hard for people because the first part of it is to do the analysis, right? Yes. And so I'd say to somebody, do a SWOT analysis, and they'd come back with 15 items. And then when I got through with them, there'd be like 150. Wow. Um, and so that still required a lot of my input mm -hmm. for them. And so I wound up building a tool that actually automates the whole front end of the strategic planning process by just asking questions about every part of the business. It automatically populates the SWOT analysis. That's clever. And so from then, then I can guide them through the creation of the strategic plan and then a 90-day operational plan, which is who's doing what by when in the next 90 days yes. to produce the goals that you want to achieve yeah. that in light of what the analysis has told us really needs to be addressed. So it takes away what a lot of entrepreneurs do mm -hmm. is they confuse symptoms with problems, right? Okay. And so mm -hmm. there's the thing that's bugging them but that's not necessarily the real problem. And so mm. when you do the analysis and you kind of go, oh, the reason we're not selling is because we suck at recruiting salespeople, then that changes what the solution is going to be rather than just say, well, we got to sell harder. Yeah. Right? And so that analytical piece helps everybody focus. And what I find happens is a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, there's an old saying that we tend to overestimate what we can do in the short run and underestimate what we can do in the long run. And what most people do is they kind of play whack-a-mole, right? They start the year with 23 things they want to do, and they're trying to fix them all at the same time. And then they get to the end of the year and nothing is finished and they're exhausted. Yes. And so what I try to say is let's, let's get to the price. Like what's truly the most important thing to fix right now. Yes. And if we can do two of those a quarter, we'll have done eight over the course of a year. You show me five businesses that have done eight fundamental changes over the course of the year. Mm -mm. There's not that many because they no. don't do this work. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, listen, it's hard for them too. Right. Cause when that, when I say we're doing these two things, they go, what about, yep. <laughs> those things have to wait and it's going to be a pain in the butt and they're going to continue to be a pain in the butt until you get these pains in the butt fixed. Because it's an go, incompletion, right? Because people want to just complete all these things. And then it's it's almost like a shiny object syndrome, right? Where you want to totally. just want to do all of it. And you're like, crack, yeah, I don't actually have enough hours in a day to do this. Yeah. yeah. And then the problem is nothing gets completed. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas so when was, you can do the completion, then you're rocking. Yes. So part of your process then and your strategic planning, I'm assuming there's a lot of time management involved as well. Um, in In a way, I mean... Where it's needed. I mean, okay. I, I do. I, so I, I'm only hesitating because, yes, I teach time management, but it's not mm -hmm. it's not fundamental to the strategic planning process because you're often if you've got a team that it's more about like I'm, I'm more about effectiveness than efficiency. If you can okay. combine the two, it's brilliant. Right. Yes. You can combine effectiveness oh. and efficiency. You're cooking with gas. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who get very stuck on 
I've got my to-do list and I've got to get these, these three things over the next time. And they're just, they spend a lot of time being efficient, doing stuff that doesn't matter. Yes. Yes. Right. And I'd yeah. rather people just really focus on what matters. And if you have to do that a little bit inefficiently, mm. you know, it's kind of that 80, 20 rule, right? Mm. Mm. And I've noticed as well, if you, if you put an intention for the day, it's so much better than putting a to-do thing for the day because your intention is a lot different to me anyway. For A, a to-do item is a lot different than an intention because an intention yes. is something that you definitely want to do. A to-do is just, I mean, I can write a to-do this this long, as same as every <laughs> other entrepreneur, like there's 35 things that you need to do in one day, but the intention is really only one or two things there, like make a sales call or speak to a client or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Well, you're going to suck me into a time management conversation because it's like the to-do list I think is the most oppressive document in the universe like people should just not work off of to-do lists you exactly. can use that as a starting point but then yes. you have to say when in your week it's going to get done so you don't have to because what a to-do list right it sits on your desk and it screams at you all day you know yeah. item 33 is going what about me what about me <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you get focused and you feel like a failure Whereas, you know, if you can just say, these are the three, to your point, this is my intention. These are the three things I'm going mm. to accomplish today. Exactly. Not the 23 things I'm going to do. Here's the three <laughs> things I'm going to accomplish. Yes. Then, then you feel great. Exactly. And it's productivity because I, I don't know, for me, because I'm a mom with two kids and my time is extra precious because I don't ha it's not all my time. <laughs> so I have to be really like strategic about what I do in my time. And I used to be that entrepreneur, and it's like three, three and a half years ago, where I would just have that 25 list of things to do. And I was like, crikey, how? And then at the end of the week, you worked 70 hours, and you're like, I don't actually know what I did. Until I went in, and then I, I struggled. I was like, hell no, there must be a better way to do this. And then I went into this whole time management thing, and I started understanding this. A to-do list is like the worst thing that you can do for yourself. It's really a success list because it's like the three things that's going to make you successful that week type thing as well. Hmm. Well, the question you just asked yourself there is such a, I'm, I'm so it's such a great question you asked. Like there must be a better way to do this. Like that, yeah. that should yeah. be a question entrepreneurs ask themselves in all respects. Oh, definitely. Right? Yes. Yeah. There must be a better way than doing this. So how is that? Instead of feeling stuck, just keep asking how, and then yes. you find there's, there are ways. Yes. Yeah. Do you journal, Warren? Yes. How many times yeah, a day or how many times a week do you journal? I journal twice a day. Oh, nice. So yeah. what's so, your... And, and there, there are different types of journaling. Yes. So that was I'll my do, question. <laughs> yeah. So I'll do sort of the planning journaling, okay. you know, like this is what I want to accomplish and this is why and that yeah. kind of stuff. And then that gets very... And I actually, I rewrite my vision and goals every single day because nice. it it reconnects you to them, right? It sounds redundant. Like I look at my journal, it's actually right here. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, every day I rewrite. And it, it's amazing what it does. Because when I, then I, when I sit down to do my planning of what I'm going to actually do, I have to say, wait yes. a sec, this thing that's a priority, I don't have anything on here for two days. That's mm. not, no, I got to yeah. revisit this and make sure those things are on there. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And then I'll also journal about more of the personal things, like just, what I'm feeling, what happened that day, mm. what did I miss? How can I do better? That mm. kind of thing. Do you, do you feel like that self-reflection and that, do you feel that clears you up for the next step that you may be stuck on? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, very much. And yeah. actually there's a really um, sophisticated and counterintuitive approach to um, 
journaling for people who are really feeling stuck and kind of in the negative mindset, yes. which yes. is it's called fears and resentments. And okay. it's counterintuitive because people like me will always say, you always picture the positive and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you have that negative energy, it has to move, right? You got to get it yes. out. Just yes. pretending it isn't there by being positive it's won't help. It's not going to help it. Mm. What you do is you actually journal in the morning and all you say is, I fear and whatever you fear. And yeah. I resent. And there's a magic that you say, I resent whatever it is because mm -hmm. I fear. Because mm -hmm. all resentments are rooted in some kind of fear. And then when you're through it all, at the end of it, you just say, I now release these fears and resentments and I seek clarity and vision for what I want to accomplish today and the energy, focus, and calm to do them at my best. Mm -hmm. And when you do that every day, something really interesting happens. When you first start, you're going to have two pages of stuff. Mm -hmm. After doing it for, I don't know, depending on the person, anywhere from a month to two months, you'll have a paragraph. Because yeah. it just, it, it releases it. And eventually you kind of go, I don't need this anymore. I don't, I'm not really afraid of anything. Right. And now you can, now you can focus more on, on the positive energy. Mm -hmm. But if you go, if you try to force yourself, it's another thing, you know, people talk about gratitude journaling. Mm -hmm. I have a bit of a nuance on that because I've seen people, it's like, you got to do gratitude journaling. Okay. So I, I'm, I guess I'm grateful for my spouse who's snoring like a freight train beside me in bed. And I'm grateful for my kids who are mouthing off to me and spilt the milk. Right. And then it becomes this obligation where you're supposed to feel grateful. And then you feel resentful about the fact you're not grateful. And so the nuance I have yeah. is don't journal gratitude. Yeah. Journal what you, I use the word appreciation. Because appreciation doesn't mean feeling gratitude. It just means noticing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just all you're doing is looking around your life and saying, just find me something good. I don't have to feel great. No obligation to feel grateful about it. Just say, I know, you know what? My office is actually comfortable. <laughs> Temperature outside was, was, was nice today. That, you know, the fact that, you know, COVID in my area has dropped is, that's a good thing. You don't have to force yourself. You don't say, you don't have to feel grateful. Just notice it. And what will happen is that you will organically start to feel grateful. It's so true. We do grateful because I'm Christian. So we do grateful prayers every night with my boys. And some of the things that they come up for for a, well, four-year-old and a seven-year-old is quite amazing because it's mm -hmm. they're grateful for the trees that provide oxygen and they're grateful. And I'm like, oh, that is really cool. Coming from a child, it's not like I'm grateful for a toy. I'm grateful for that. And it's because we've been practicing this for more than a year. And in the beginning, it used to be very, you know, like, oh, I'm grateful that I have a Lego or something. And now it's becoming this really, they really appreciate their surroundings and they appreciate that they can actually go to school in kindy without a mask on. And, you know, it, it becomes a thing. And do, do you have children, Warren? Yes, I do. And yes, do you do you teach them or do you teach your daughter how to, you know, be grateful and do you plant those seeds? I, I try to for sure. <laughs> <laughs> how old is she? She's 12. Okay. And is it, yeah, it's a tricky pre, age. That's preteen time, right? Yeah, it's a tricky age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I was much more successful at it a while ago. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm in the lucky phases now where they kind of just, there's no fighting as well. There's, there's some arguments on things, but it's, 
okay mommy says be grateful so i'll think of things to be grateful for not that i don't want to be grateful <laughs> <laughs> good for you you're doing something right <laughs> well you have to especially in today's time because i think like the new the ways that they teach things in schools and just society with children these days and all the you know the exposure to all the social medias and things like that it's a lot of negativity that these kids get exposed to and yes. to help them i mean for me personally the one way to be more positive about stuff is just to be grateful for what you have and that i think helps a lot with their well, mindset immensely. as children immensely yes hmm. The only reason I did that one thing is for I find there's some people who when they're when they're really in a negative state, like they're really yeah. in a fear state, yeah. to say they feel grateful, they yeah. just they can't force themselves into it. So it's just Definitely. a little bit of a gentle, gentler step and step Ex towards it. Exactly. Because if you if you're not if you don't do it and you've never done it before, and you exactly I completely agree with you. And you say to somebody, you have to be grateful for this, they're gonna go, Really? Are you kidding me? I don't want to be grateful for this thing. And it, it's true, it's really a straight, it's a very gentle way to do that. It's very I like that. What do you think is a contributes to your success? Hmm. I mean, apart from the support of family and friends, um, I think well, it was interesting. There, there was a period where I, I didn't feel successful. Like I was, co I was in the top ten percent of coaches in Canada, but I didn't feel like I was going really well. Oh, wow. um, I wasn't making the amount of money that I wanted to. I didn't have the client base that I wanted to. So I don't, I don't necessarily recommend this for everybody. But I got mad. Wow. Like I got really angry at myself and at the situation. And my now wife, she and I were split up, and you know, I was living in an apartment I didn't really like, and I just. And she and I were talking and I went, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of this, like either something's going to change or I'm doing something else. And I said, this is what life is going to look like for the next three months. Yeah. Um, and she said, I'm in. And in three months, I doubled my business in six months, I tripled it. And in the six months we were engaged. Wow. Nice. Um, and it was just this sort of, and the interesting thing, I've actually coached a bunch of coaches and a lot of them, when I tell that story, I've said, well, what did you actually do differently? And the interesting thing was I didn't do anything differently yeah it's just i showed up differently while doing it that's very that's that's a unique thing to do because a lot of people don't think of that's actually the approach that you need to take in a situation like that yeah and so and then in terms of like what contributes to my success i i authentically love entrepreneurs like i think they are an amazing subspecies <laughs> um and i love working with them and i yes. care i care really deeply like most most of my clients are my friends um, now, like I consider them friends and because I care so deeply about what's going on in their business, um, we, we work collaboratively and we are very strategic. Like I push hard on this sort of strategic focus to zero in on what matters. And I think within that, one of the reasons people hold off on this kind of work sometimes is because there's an uncertainty, right? So especially yeah. like with COVID yes. people are feeling they're living in an uncertain world, but I think it's sort of like poker like poker some people consider gambling but it's actually yeah. a game of skill that has within it mm -hmm. chance and uncertainty right and in any given hand a rookie can beat a pro but a pro will always beat the rookie in the game and so business is like that, like that. you know when you're when you're when you're in an uncertain environment you may guess wrong on a given tactic right mm -hmm. but over time if you are consistently in exercising the discipline of planning and evaluation and course correction mm -hmm. over the time you will win the game always and that's 
I think that's a big reason why mm. I'm successful and why my clients are successful is yeah. it doesn't matter if this one thing didn't work. Like there's been things I've suggested to clients that haven't worked. Not once has any of them got mad at me because they get the big picture. Yes. Right. If that one doesn't work, we do the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And we reevaluate, we adjust, we modify yeah. mm-hmm. until we get to where we're going. Yes. And that that openness of the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've had clients tell me that they I know them better than their spouse does, and you know, one client told me That's I'm the good. moral center of her business and things like. And it's so that intimacy yes. of of trust mm-hmm. allows them to really say a lot of things to me that help me help them. Yes. Right. And then, That's you know, so awesome. I, I jokingly sometimes say, I know I've got a good, good client when they tell me to F off um, <laughs> because I, I know that like, we've got this relationship of trust. Like we can mm-hmm. argue, we can fight. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're not, it's not me telling them what to do. It's like, we argue about it. We work it through and then we come to agreements and then it's okay. If that's what I've said, there's been a number of times clients have said, I don't want to do that. It's okay. What do you want to do? They said, do this. Okay. You're going to get it done by when? <laughs> yeah well that's a great way to coach though because it's it's a you know it's a two-way street yeah you're not forcing them to do something which they don't want to do so yeah and i don't i don't work off curriculum like i don't say here's step one here's step two because the yes. plan is revealing the analysis tells us what we need to work on mm-hmm. um and so i don't kind of walk in and say the first thing you must do is do your vision mission purpose and values sometimes we do that but sometimes i say you know what that that can wait a little bit yeah yeah. And it, it makes sense because every business is different. Every personality is different, you know, or pers- people are different. So, you know, you work, so do you work one-on-one with people or is yes. it, do you do some group coaching as well? Or is it just specifically one-on-one? Um, I have done group coaching right now. Most of what I do is one-on-one and then I'll mm-hmm. work with people's teams too. I've got a number of clients where okay. I'll, I'll work with their yeah. leadership teams as well. Yeah. Um, and we're doing work like around culture, culture development. I usually yeah. involve as much of the team as possible in that exercise. Yes. Yeah. We will we will drop Warren's links on the bottom of this episode and we will dive in a little bit more on how we can help people a little bit later in this episode. So you guys can click on those as well. So Warren, I've got another question for you. So we've talked about routine and well, morning really, like you doing your journaling. So um, I want to dive in more on the routine side and not just, um, how can I say this, like the average things that a person will do every single day. Because I like to ask this question for successful entrepreneurs, what did I do? Because I feel like I've been interviewing a lot of people. You probably interview number 70 something. Um, wow. where, where I've interviewed people on, you know, what makes them successful. And one thing that really struck like lightning on every single one that I've interviewed, and sometimes I would ask this question off camera as well, is like what makes your routine special than your average person? As in, you know, so I feel like successful people and not just what I feel as like I have seen this now so many times with interviewing people that there's something very different from a successful entrepreneur's routine than somebody that's not successful. So what is your daily routine looking like? That's so interesting because I've actually been doing a lot of work on my routine recently. It's interesting you ask that. Um, So for me, the, the first thing is spending time with my daughter. So I get up in the morning and Mm -hmm. we spend about 40 minutes together. Nice. So, and again, that's, you know, sometimes when you read the success gurus, they're like, get up and read and journal and all that kind of stuff. For me, just because of the timing, you know, uh, that's my time with my daughter. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Then, you know, each hour, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then I come down and I, mine is, you probably won't have heard too many like this. I, I studied some, some neuroscience and stuff like this. And there's some ways of just getting yourself centered that Mm -hmm. I like to do. So there's something called orienting 
if people are interested in this, look at, there's a woman online, Dr. Amy, and another one, Dr. Irene Lyons. Um, they've got some really interesting work around this. Um, but it's called orientation, where you just sort of okay. orient yourself to the environment, then yeah. do grounding, then do um, some meditation, yeah, um, and then journal, mm-hmm. and then take the large plan that I set out the night before and detail it mm-hmm. during the day. Um, I, just because of the amount of time I spend with my daughter, I don't exercise first thing in the morning. I do some movement. Yes. Like I do some, some what's called natural movement in the morning just to get the body loose and that yes. kind of thing. And then I'll do exercise later in the day. And I exercise about five to six times a week. Okay. Um, but that that's basically my morning routine. And it takes me, so there's the 40 minutes with my daughter. And mm-hmm. then there's 45 minutes, half an hour to 45 minutes on that other, on that other work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find it, you know, I, I won't bore you with all the science of it, but it's it's got to do with the vagal nerve and your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems and how you move out of sympathetic and parasympathetic. Um, but that's basically what I'm trying to do is to get myself super centered and focused mm-hmm. by moving away any of the stresses and all the, all those things help do that. Yeah. And meditation obviously play, plays a big role in, you know, calming yourself and getting, you know, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. How, how many minutes a day do you meditate if you like ballpark figure? That, that varies. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do a minimum of 15 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll do a half an hour. Yeah. Um, but there's also what's interesting is some of that work that I was talking about, the orientation and the, gr- and, and the grounding, yeah. some of that. It's a form of meditation. It is. It really yeah, is. So it, yes. it, it isn't the same as sitting doing this because it's yes. active. Yes. What it does is it just it, it blocks out everything else and it gets you really in the moment. Centered, yeah. Because yeah. that's really what meditation really is. It is, you know, just getting you in that moment and not think about everything else that's <laughs> that we always want to think about. <laughs> well, my, my weakness is probably as a care is, is my head is always spinning. Yes lots of different directions and so to me that exercise of just getting i am here right now is super important yeah yeah and it's it's hard to focus on success strategies or anything in your business if you are scattered minded right if everything is just everywhere you really need to get centered i completely get that do you okay i'm gonna um i feel like you you're very well familiar with meditation and things so i want to just if you don't mind just diving a little bit in that so when you when you do a meditation what is your thinking process on your meditation session so say you do a five minute meditation do you do five minutes at once or do you do longer ones how's your I, I'll usually try to do a minimum of 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, what do you mean exactly by my thought process? So, so do you do like guided meditation, which you just sit there and no. think of balloons or, or trees or, you know, whatever? Because people do different. I've, I've heard so many different ways that people meditate. So I'm just interested to see how you would do it. I, I, I actually mix it up a little bit. Okay. I'll do, I'll do um, sounds. Like, yeah. um, yeah. like Tony question. Robbins, he does the sound. I've heard the sound thing um, on videos that he's done. I don't know if it's the same. It's sort of stuff I picked up from my acting days. Like there's okay. ways of when you do a sound from deep in the chest, but sort of forward in your sinus. Oh, wow. That's the vibration. The vibration comes in your sinuses and the front of your lips and all the way down mm-hmm. in your chest. And that actually helps stimulate the parasympathetic nervous that system. Sounds cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll do that. And yeah. then there's also a thing I used to do martial arts and there's a, a technique um, 
it's just well, this may sound weird, but this is what the martial artist taught us, and it's interesting. So there's a there's a spot on the top of your head called the bow hui point, and okay. there's a spot three finger widths below and two finger widths in from your navel called the tentian. Okay. And so you breathe in from the bow hui point, and you imagine this is the visualization. Yeah. You visualize a pearl dropping through oil as you breathe in until it lands in the tenkin. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> it sounds awesome though. <laughs> well, it's very, it's very, because you get this picture, right? And it's actually yeah. very, picture this pearl dropping through golden oil really slowly, right? And it's, it's just a lovely way of, and you can almost, there was a point where I, when I was super yeah. to that particular form where it was weird. I would feel a scratching in my tenkin. Wow, that is yeah. quite awesome, though. I never yeah. thought of that. Huh. Okay. So guided meditation is not. So if somebody has never meditated in their whole life, right? And it's interesting. There's actually quite a lot of people that just never heard of it. They not, don't, don't do it, etc. Yeah. What would your first advice be for them to just start meditation? What would that first thing be? Um, do it small first. Yeah. Like don't don't go in and try to do a half hour meditation when you first start. Because no. you're frustrated. No. Start with five minutes. Yes. Um, you know, one of the simplest forms, um, I think Brendan Burchard talks about this a lot. Um, do, you just say release. Like yes. you just meditate, go release, release, release. And the idea of that is you're just sort of helping yourself release whatever is there. Yes. Um, second thing is don't worry. I mean, I, I fell into this when I first started. Because you think you, you see these monks and stuff, right? And you think, oh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have no thoughts. You know, <laughs> I'm failing in my meditation because I have thoughts. You know, don't don't get, you know, thoughts will happen. Just don't get hung up on them. Just say, okay, and let it go. And then okay. the biggest thing is just, you know, I here I would actually, if people are uncomfortable with it, don't even call it meditation. Mm. Just sit and breathe. Yeah. Yes. Right? Breathe exactly. slowly. Yeah. You know. And then at the end of five minutes, get up. Mm. After five days of doing it, go to seven minutes. Then go mm. to 10 minutes. Mm. And because all, all you're trying to do is just quiet the mind, not That's to shut true. it down, just mm. quiet it. Mm. There, there's more sophisticated, you know, advanced stuff, but when um, you start as, as a starting yeah. point, that's just, that's just the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know. I agree with you. Cause, um, I, I do coach students, like people in business, and I find a lot of the time when they're scattered and stressed and they're not sure what's happening in their business, they don't see an outcome, for, you know, like all of those things, I do find that they don't meditate. And yes, you're going to have stress. And yes, you're going to have, I mean, it's part of being an entrepreneur, right? We're kind of wired that way. But there's ways that you can help yourself through that process. And meditation is a big part of it for me anyway. Like I meditate at, at least half an hour a day and I do little sessions. And it's it really helps. It's amazing how it, like I say, grounds you and you just yeah. you can feel like, okay. Now, if people are uncomfortable sitting. There's, I, I did this course once or this session at a, a Leonardo da Vinci birthday. And it was this really unbelievably cool experience because this artist came in. She was an artist and mm -hmm. she had us all do this painting. And she said, just paint whatever you want. And so we painted. And then she had us do this focus exercise where she gave us this list of like 10 questions and just said, go find something in the environment and look at it and answer these questions. And they were really detailed questions like, what is the texture of it? How does the light, oh, wow. you know, what is it made of? Yeah. And 
then she we came back and she goes do another painting and so we all did another painting and she laid them next to each other and to there were 30 people in the room to a person it was the exact same experience because this was everyone came after work everybody's first painting had sort of frenetic colors and big energy mm. and stuff and everybody's second painting was calm like had muted colors the images were things that were calm like my first one was a bouncing ball and the second <laughs> one was a guy kayaking in a sunset wow. um, and and then she goes now you're ready to be creative that's pretty cool it was very cool but what, what i really like that that focus exercise yeah. was meditation because nice. it just nice. shut everything else out yes so I do things like that with clients when I'm doing like culture work. I have them do crazy little drawing exercises and stuff. They don't know what it's about. And they, yes. you can just see all the pressure goes away and they get to focus on what we're, what we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was, that was my next question leading into this. Cause obviously it's called Unleash Your Focus podcast. Um, you know, and it, part of it is, is sitting and focusing and not having shiny objects in like you're sitting and you're working on a specific thing for example and you're like oh my phone is peeping let's have a look here or oh that's happening let's go there and people do this because they can't sit and focus do you feel like meditation is part of that it will help you to just stay focused on the task that you're working on oh very much yeah very much because it, it calms the demons yes. you know the, yes. the little running around and if yes. people are you know i had two clients who were clinically add like adult ADD, they were medicated. Yeah. When I went in their office, they had a sign on the wall that says tinfoil costs us $100 an hour. Oh. Because tinfoil means shiny objects. Yes, yes. Um, and so one of the things, if you actually have that issue, and entrepreneur, like ADD is higher, rep entrepreneurs have a higher representation of ADD than the oh, general yes. Public. Yes, and it's sad because they're labeled as that, but actually, I think, in my opinion, the most brilliant people. Oh, fully. But what... When you sometimes like these two were they were extreme fantastically yes. brilliant guys yes but what we wound up doing like it was a problem in my coaching with them it was like it was hard to get them focused and so they they actually agreed to do this we hired somebody who is sort of an admin assistant but for mm -hmm. high for a good salary and a huge part of her job was to sit them down four times a day to refocus them wow they had that a schedule is, that is actually very unique 9 a.m., 10 30, 12 30, 2 30. They had to I, sit down. This is what go, you need hey. to do now. Yeah. Yes. Because they they were they were extreme cases. They were super yes. brilliant guys. Yes. But it was like, you know, what am I going to make them feel guilty about it? No. So we just scaffolded <laughs> it around it. Right. To build, to build in some structural support that actually yeah. helped them. And in my time management training with them, normally I would say, you know, pick this thing to do within this time. Yes. With them, I said you can choose two things to do within that time. So you can bounce back and forth, but it was still bouncing back and forth just between two things. Yes, so okay, that them... makes sense because it's the way that they, they're wired, right? So they need yeah. that something. Um, yeah, so let their little demon run a little bit, but still yes. help them stay yes. focused. Yes. Oh, I like that. That's. Oh, I did deep, deep, I'm, I'm fascinated by what, how the minds work with people oh, yeah. that it, it's just because the mind is so powerful as it is and then you combine combine and, and i mean i know people that are super brilliant that's autism um you know that has autism or add it's just it's and it's so sad that society puts a label on them 
don't put yeah. a label see the brilliance see them for who they are not for you know how they act or whatever the oh, problem absolutely. is yeah Warren can you tell people a little bit about how you can help people how is you know what's your superpower and how can you help businesses and how can they reach you sure um so I guess my superpower if you probably picked up a little bit of it it's this it's the combination of driving sort of hardcore business skills mm -hmm. while really embracing and integrating values and principles. Nice. So one of the things, there's a lot of people who are life coaches for business people, which is not yeah. the same business coaching, right? And so business That's coaching is true. about that hardcore yeah. business skills, mm -hmm. but then making it reflect those values. And so a large part of like even my strategic planning process has baked into it questions about values and like, our, does our process conflict with our values? Does our compensation conflict with our values? Like the, that's a huge part of, of what we talk about. Um, so that's that's how I help people is I guide them through the strategic planning process, help them mm -hmm. execute it, and then act as a resource through execution to make sure that you know things get adjusted and applied as they need. Yes. Um, best place to get, and if people want to know more about that, I actually wrote an ebook. It's about 20 some odd pages and it goes through the seven steps of effective strategy development and execution mm -hmm. um, and there are there are seven very very clear steps and most people stop at around step two or three which is why they don't do it successfully yes um what's the link to that we will drop the link on the bottom too but where can people get the, the ebook on my uh my website which is yes. warrencoglin.com okay and my name is spelled c-o-u-g-h-l-i-n so warrencoglin.com Perfect. But we will drop the link so you guys will have it. And I think really get your hands on this because it sounds amazing balls. Seriously, I think it sounds awesome. <laughs> Warren, I always finish with a statement um, on the episode. And that is for people sitting on the fence and they want to start a business or they maybe they've had a business, they failed, they're struggling to start back up again. What advice would you give a person like that? Hmm. So I, I'm, I'm atypical on those kinds of questions because okay. I don't... I don't like to advise people to do something if they haven't, if they don't know what they want to do themselves. So the first thing is, you know, you don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. it, what do you want? What are you called to do? What do you want to do? What do you feel inspired to do? If entrepreneurship is that answer, whether you failed in the past doesn't matter. My first two entrepreneurial ventures, I sucked at, um, you know, and you'll just, just make sure you learn the craft. Like this is the one thing I think people don't, appreciate enough maybe it's my acting background i use this metaphor i think entrepreneurship is an art form and art forms have technique they have skills a great idea is not enough you need to learn that like it's a discipline right you have yes. to learn the discipline of being a business person it's it's mm -hmm. it's an intellectual sport mm -hmm. you have you have to think and you have to develop this you don't have to be the expert yourself but you need to cultivate the skills now, having said that, that doesn't mean that you have to go do an MBA. That doesn't mean you have to go and learn it all first. You can <laughs> learn it yeah. while you're building your business. Yes. yes. But it's about learning it in the right order, right? And learning what you need in any given moment. So if you're starting a business, the first thing, mm -hmm. learn sales. Mm -hmm. Learn to sell. Like, don't think that because you know how to talk to people, you know how to sell. No. Learn selling. Yes. Yes. Right? I then completely learn agree. Then learn your financials, because if you sell at a loss, you're never going to make it, right? So you got to know your financials. Then learn about people, 
you know, because then you're going to have to attract people as you grow. So the order of things, I think, is is kind of like once you've got a product or service identified mm-hmm. um, and you've got your business plan, then you, you got it. That's the cult. That's the skill cultivation that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, start with sales. That sales solves most problems, you know, then learn your numbers, then start adding people. Mm-hmm. And just because you're we was one of the here's the here's the through line of bad thinking on one topic that I see in most entrepreneurs. I'm good with people, so I know how to hire people. Mm-mm. Wrong. That, <laughs> That's a recipe you know, for disaster. <laughs> you know, I, I have a, an old line that I use that smart people don't tell themselves stupid lies. <laughs> That's a good one. I must remember that you know, one. <laughs> that's that's a lie that you tell yourself that is going to get you into trouble. You know, so in all these areas, you either learn it yourself. There's a million books or you bring somebody like me, you know, mm-hmm. to help guide you and teach you through some of that stuff or get into a mentor group. There's lots of mentor yes. groups. Um, but don't, if you want to do it, do it. But don't think you have to do it alone. Mm. Yes. I love it. That's really great advice. And I completely <laughs> I have to remember that. Small people don't tell themselves stupid things. I must remember that. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to use that one a lot. Don't tell Thank themselves you. stupid lies. Yeah, yeah. The lies are really good. <laughs> That's true. Because you can you can really trick your mind into believing things if you, if you know, as a human well, condition. Is, your friends will support you too. You go, oh, you know, this doesn't work because these clients are terrible and my team are terrible. And all your friends will go, oh, yeah, I know. That's so bad. <laughs> But it's still bull. <laughs> I'm laughing because I've heard this so many times from other people. So it's so true. It's 100% correct. It's exactly what happens, right? And especially if you've got entrepreneurial friends that they support you and they have really great intentions, but they just don't know. And it's um, <laughs> it's so true. Warren, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show. My pleasure. Um, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah, it has been, right? Um, and this will be published across the platforms and will be on YouTube. And um, yeah, I'm excited and I'm hoping that people would go to you because I think you have a lot of value to share. And I think you have a lot of skills that you can teach them, which I think all entrepreneurs need those. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you.